What's up, everybody? This is Zach. I'm coming to you with a special episode today. It is a collaboration episode with me and Nat from Preparedness Works. We talk about preppers, we talk about being prepared, and we talk about just having a generally good mindset towards being ready uh, and some controversy. He accuses me of uh, believing that preppers are the worst. And uh, you're just gonna have to listen to find out my opinion on preppers. But uh, before we get to that, let's just quickly get our sponsors out of the way. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, follow us, leave comments. uh, And yeah, now we'll listen to our sponsors. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. Instinct Ready Kits are awesome. Compact, fully loaded, and easy to place around your office, school, campus, warehouse, wherever. I keep a quick pack in my vehicle and one at home. Imagine Instinct Ready, fully loaded, stop the bleed kits in every school and office. Get Instinct Ready Kits and training at instinctready.com. Hi, Diddly Ho, Preparinos. This is Nat, the preparedness guy on Preparedness Works. Preparedness Works is part of the Readiness Lab, the place for podcasts, webinars, and training in the field of emergency and disaster services. And buckle your seat, buckle your seatbelts. Today we have the one and only Zach Borst. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on this uh, and to actually hear the dulcet tones of Nat <laughs> live. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you really have brought a sort of NPR-esque uh, uh, vibe to the uh, Readiness Lab podcast network. Oh, crap. Time to end it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so you are a host of your own podcast. Yes, I am the host of EM Weekly, um, which is... Uh, so we, we kind of have tried to have a little different takes on each of the world of like preparedness and disaster response and emergency response. I'm trying to build like, you know, you're hanging out with uh, your buddies after an incident or after the conference and you're just talking shop and like sh- sharing war stories. Um, and we relaunched it. We've had some success, uh, but I'm actually going to do some uh, revamping. So uh, like any successful uh, person with ADHD, things <laughs> seem to be stabilizing. You got to destabilize it again. So that's what I'm working on now. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, so you are an emergency manager. Yeah. Um, I have been in emergency management now for, I think I figured out it's been about a decade, which is really starting to make me feel old. Um, but I am getting old. Actually, I had a eye appointment last Friday and found out I need to wear glasses all the time and probably have needed to wear them for a little while. So <laughs> I think I'm just going to lean into that and accept that, uh, you know, I've, I've gained a lot of sage wisdom through, uh, my various experiences, but I started at the state and then I went to uh, higher ed emergency management. Actually, I flew drones for a little while with a, uh, a federally, it was a, de- a Department of Transportation and I think maybe NASA had some money in there and some DHS money, but we basically flew drones over disaster sites and uh, built what, some what, remote sensing stuff. What kind of drones? Like the kinds that created disaster sites or the, the, <laughs> yeah. the assessment time? Uh, okay. Actually, we, it was, we used to call it the Drunken Raven. It's the uh, SenseFly EB. And it's this little kind of, it looks like a Nerf football with wings. And uh, it uh, is insanely expensive because of the sort of hardware. And um, it's really the software side that was really cool. But 
uh, my state was hit by her or tropical storm Irene is when it hit us and it did lots and lots of damage. And they, we found like one of the issues that we really, really struggled with was like cataloging and, and sort of tracking the amount of damage and, and really like filling roads, like in order to refill a road after it's been washed out, which is like one of the most common, you know, issues, especially in a mountainous or hilly area, right. um, is the roads get washed out. And the way to fix that before was to send like an engineer down into the hole to figure out how much volume and materials needed to fix that hole. And we were like, you know what? I bet we could do this with satellites, airplanes, and drones. And that was kind of like what we were figuring out. And Did it work? It actually worked really, really well. Um, within, uh, God, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to screw this up. It was something that the accuracy was about... Um, 10 centimeter resolution. So, so really fine resolution compared to like satellites and airplanes. Um, and it worked within like, I think it was like 10% accuracy of LIDAR. So super, super accurate, plenty accurate for a disaster fill in the hole to like, you know, basically restore access to places. Um, and that was funded for like two years when that, uh, funding dried up, I was really lucky that there was an emergency, the first emergency management position to open at the same school. So I just kind of like took one name title and swapped it out, um, for another. And then I was there for like six years and got kind of burned out as happens in a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people in this field yeah. and did something real weird for a little while, ran a podcast for a, I, uh, a cybersecurity company, which was really, really fun. I did that, like literally my job started the day uh, the lockdowns happened around oh, the country. And did that for, it was like eight months. I really liked the company. I had a lot of fun there, but I was like, man, I'm missing out. I need to get back into like, I, I, like I have this skill set, stupid. And I, I had started the application process before we knew COVID existed. So mm-hmm. like not something where I'm like, I'm jumping ship. I don't want to deal with it. Uh, it was just bad timing. And uh so then I went, I worked for uh, Everbridge doing um, intelligence analysis, and now I work at uh, Doberman Emergency Management. So we can end the podcast right there. I think I've summed up everything <laughs> here about that's, it. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. No. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what, do you, what do you do at Doberman? Uh, so I, uh, I think I do a little bit of everything. We're a uh, pretty nimble company. Um, we do lots of different stuff. My official title is Director of Strategy, um, and, but I think we, we spend a lot of time in the tactics side, just like making stuff work as anyone who sort of works in a small business understands, like it's all hands all the time. So, right. um, but it's a lot of, uh, so everything from, uh, you know, working with clients, uh, to helping run the, the readiness lab, which is the, you know, the outreach side of it. Um, you mean we, the place for podcast webinars and training in the field of emergency <laughs> yeah. and disaster services? Yeah, you've heard of it. That's really good. Um, fascinating. Um, and social media, um, all of the, not all of them, a lot of the really dumb posts that you see come out of the readiness lab, I can take direct responsibility for that. That's got my fingerprints all over it. I just saw the, um, the, the missile launch (laughs) drill one. That was really good. Um, Uh, man. Yeah. Inspiration struck as I was like, this is, this is exactly, uh, I mean, we've all been there. So that the explaining a meme is probably the absolute worst. It's going (laughs) to suck all the fun out of it, but it's the, it's the, uh, Nicholas Cage and Pedro Pascal, uh, meme that's been all over TikTok and everything. Um, but it's specifically for uh, the missile launch alerts that, uh, you know, hit Hawaii a long time ago. And we just were never going to let them forget no, it. No, no. Well, that poor, that poor guy. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, from what I understand, he's, he's like, you really want me to send this? And they're like, yeah. But, but it was like, he's thinking real world, and they're thinking exercise, and they weren't yeah. communicating that, and boom, real world. And, and I, if I remember correctly, the their naming conventions were like, it's just setting them up for failure. Um, but you know what? Lesson learned, and right. we all get to live uh, there. Well, they'll live in infamy uh, on this. And I do feel bad sometimes, like constantly like bringing it up. But it's a really good lesson, you know, uh, check twice and once, you know, just like the old carpenter uh, rule of thumb. Um, you know, measure twice, cut once, uh, right. which I don't do. I cut <laughs> too many times, too too short, too long. I'm like, this is dumb. I, I'm I'm working on my wood my work woodworking skills. That's actually yeah. Some, I've seen some of your cool stuff. Yeah, I'm really trying to uh, get my cr- the creative juices flowing again. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really important. You know, you talked about burnout um, with your one particular job. I think we all deal with it. Is this getting your creative juices flowing and having uh, something else on the side, a way that you deal with that? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I think there's a few lessons that I have learned over my many years. Cause I'm getting old as we talked about at the top of the podcast. Um, and that is like, you need to disconnect. Um, you need something. So I'm not like religious, but like I, I'm kind of spiritual, like in a way, like I sort of like I get my, my Zen and that sort of like focus and center from like, uh, science and like projects. Like if I can focus on like a project and kind of work through it and then like science, I'm like in awe. Like I try to really, uh, that was something I I've really sort of worked on, especially after burning out. One thing I realized when I burned out is nothing impressed me anymore. I had no awe, (laughs) not inspired by anything. I was just like, ugh, I've seen it all. I've done it all. Like nothing is getting me pumped. And so I was like, all right, I need to figure out how to like find this. So like I kind of lean back into stuff that I really liked as a, you know, teenager and a kid, like weather. I really just, I'm fascinated. Mm-hmm. I love watching thunderstorms. It's just so fascinating. Um, and then I was like, all right, I need to do stuff. Like I was always very good with my hands, uh, you know, build all sorts of cool stuff. When I was a kid, I like fixing problems. And so we started doing like laser cutting stuff, which was really fun. And then I've always wanted a wood shop. Like, I feel like that's just like what you do is a, as a dad, right? You need a wood shop to right. like build stuff. So I've slowly been accumulating tools. My parents moved to uh, North Carolina a couple of years ago. I got a bunch of my dad's old tools. Um, I like to restore old tools. That's something I really think is fun. Like uh, I have this cool little um, uh, hammer uh, that I can't think of, ball peen hammer. And it was something, I don't even know if it has any significance to the family at all, but my dad, you know, was in the collection of stuff. And I was like, it's all beat up and stuff. I was like, I'm going to restore this and make it look cool, but like not get rid of the character. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So now I like like bringing stuff back. So that's like the next thing I'm trying to work on is like taking old stuff and like restoring it to make it like new again. Got a lot of furniture stuff I want to do, like old uh, bookshelves and cabinets and stuff. And we all went crazy during COVID, right? Like yeah, we all, we all had to come up with something to do. I just started doing everything. I started doing drawing. I started doing... Uh, uh, I don't know. We, we were, my wife was doing like diamond painting and like paint by number stuff, just to like keep our brains going. Um, so yeah, I, I think I find it really important, especially like I found that I handle stress a lot better than I did. And that was only like a few years ago that I kind of yeah. punched out from, uh, like literally it was the start of COVID. Um, and it's not like it didn't get more stressful <laughs> after I left that job. We went right into the <laughs> biggest disaster, uh, of our lives. Um, but yeah, no, now that I've sort of started doing stuff, I just want to like keep doing it and trying new stuff and exploring uh, new things. 
So we've um, interacted with each other, especially now that I'm doing a podcast on the same yeah. network as you. Yeah. Uh, and the spin that I've taken here is about preparedness, uh, usually focusing on individuals up. So I have a question for you. Yeah. How or is there such thing as being too prepared? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know if there's if you can be too prepared. I think people can get into their head that they can prepare themselves out of everything, um, which I think is similar in a, in a way. Um, and I actually did a little bit of homework. I actually watched some prepper stuff before <laughs> I, uh, before I came on here because I wanted to like verse myself a little bit in uh, that that culture and mindset, but. Um, one thing that was really funny is I was watching this video and this guy had these just drums full of food and, and these barrels full of food and they were, you know, covered and, and protected. And my first thought was like, dude, one drop of water gets in there and it's all gone. <laughs> like <laughs> molds. <laughs> yeah. Just done. And I was like, yeah. So like, that's where I'm like, you know, you've invested all this time and energy in something for, you know, and again, a, a lot of people, this is sort of like their hobby. It's their, their thing right. that they do for fun. So if it goes bad, you're like, Oh, lesson learned, got to try something new. Um, but I think there is a, there can be a, um, a bad mindset to that. Um, you know, you can sort of think that you can get through anything, which might put you in like sort of a selfish, like fatalism or something like where you're like, it doesn't matter what happens to everybody else. Like I'm prepared. I'm going to last forever. I've got it all. And I think, to me, preparedness is actually a, it's much more valuable in a community um, because, you know, like Henry Ford discovered when he started building cars, um, if you have lots of people with lots of different skills working on stuff at the same time, you can get really, really efficient at stuff. Right. Um, and so you can specialize in your area. You don't have to know everything. I think it's good to know lots of stuff. I'm a generalist, I think, in life. I'm not very good at anything, but I'm pretty good at a lot of stuff. So um, I really like, to me, like for me, my preparedness is much more sort of like skill sets, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. like stuff necessarily. Yeah. Well, and I, I've talked on here, I think before too, um, there's, there's like a, there's a balance because you put me in an operating room yeah, and I'm, I'm hopeless, right? Like I can't do brain surgery on somebody. I, I don't have the skills, even if I have all of the tools, Sure. but you take that, that brain surgeon, uh, you know, on the other extreme and you put him out in the desert and there's somebody who needs the surgery and he doesn't have any tools. He's yeah. just as, you know, like just as helpless. Right. So it's this balance of, of finding your skills that match the, the tools that you have, um, and, and knowing how to use it, but also this like MacGyver in us that, yeah. um, wants to be able to make something of, of nothing or very, very little being able to improvise. Yeah. And I mean, there's, that's kind of fun too. I think that's, maybe some of the allure of it is like, I am a gadgets guy. I really like gadgets. So I can sort of understand like that part of the prepper life where you like, mm -hmm. you just have all these little tools that you want to do. And like, I've got a lot of little like specialized things that I've never used, but I've got multiple of them for some reason, you know? And it's like, well, if this one fails, I'm like, what situation would this fail? And why do I need two of them? I've <laughs> yeah. never used them in like 10 years, but I've got it just in case. Um, and it, and I think, I think I pride myself on being like, you know, and my neighbors are like, Hey, I, you know, I just, do we, does anyone in the neighborhood have one of these? And I'm like, I got one, I got I'm the guy right here. Um, and then the stuff that I don't know, I know who, like, I have my guy like that I call when I'm like, Oh crap, I don't have this. I'm going to go call my buddy, Chris, Chris definitely has it. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think like, 
I sort of, uh, and I know at some point we'll talk about this, like the, the prepper sort of like as a title, I'm like, uh, I find it like a ver- like it's an aversion. Like I don't really yeah. like that title for most people like have a, like a visceral reaction to it. Yeah. Um, one way or the other probably. Yeah. And it's, no, it's true. I mean, we could, we could talk about that, that there is, there are a lot of negative responses. There's a lot of negative bias out there and um, yeah, well, I'll ask you, what do you think, what do you think those, that aversion is caused by? Like, So I, um, I used to be really, really, really into guns. I enjoyed shooting guns. I like the history of guns and the culture of like gun culture has just gotten so like extreme. I just don't enjoy it anymore. Like I used to like going to gun shops and like looking at guns and stuff. Um, and I'll, I'm, this is a long, I'm going to, I'm getting there. I'm just going to sort of talk through this. Cause this is like something I've recently sort of had to like come to terms with because I was like, you know what? I, I kind of want to go like to range and shoot again. I haven't shot. I mean, like, I'm in the military, so I do get to qualify. I get to shoot guns, you know, and stuff, but like, I haven't shot my own stuff in a long time and I haven't gone like as a like social thing to go shoot guns and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to go do this. And I did it. And honestly, it was like very positive. It was like kind of a fun, it was, it wasn't kind of, it was really fun. It's fun to shoot guns and do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but I was like looking around and I'm like, oh gosh, like, it's just, it's not what it used to be. And and then I started to get like that cringe again, where I'm like, man, like people just only identify themselves as this. And it makes it really hard to sort of talk about other things or like have any sort of perspective because people are just so like hardened into their perspective. Sometimes it can be really challenging and maybe that's on me too. I'm probably a little bit like biased towards this as well, but. Oh, that's. That's uh, yeah, it's good to yeah. We try to recognize our own own biases, but I think you, uh, I think you're kind of right about. I mean, gun culture. Like I, I'm also like very incredibly um, into guns, uh, but not like a, not like a gun specs, and you know, like yeah. I've got this kind of scope and this kind of whatever. You know, it's just like yeah, you wear the t-shirts and stickers all over your car, and if anyone says anything, like God forbid, you have like any view outside of right. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it is. It is just like it's like a hobby culture, like an extreme yeah. hobby culture, yeah. and it it can be overbearing. But I think um, kind of one of the things that I've I've noticed, and I'm trying not to not to like be disparaging, but sure. it's that, and this isn't just for guns. This is for um, any of these uh, anything that you basically um, use in preps or in general life that you make into your identity, and yeah. it's that you basically look at it as a, a solution to all your problems. Yeah. And you think like, you know, I've, obviously I'm, I'm on social media in the preparedness sphere yeah. and, you know, all about empowering individuals and making, helping them make good choices about, uh, preparedness and everything. And yeah. occasionally you run into some bozo that's like, well, I, I still, I have guns. So everything you're, stockpiling is yeah. for, for me. And it's like, okay, like, what are you for? Are you 14? Like, like, well, and that's, I think that's honestly like, and I know of course, like preppers have also been portrayed poorly across the board. I mean, like, like if you were to have me describe a prepper, like, I don't even know that I would really even know what to describe. Like, right. It's just this sort of stereotype that exists of like the people wearing gas masks and like buying a surplus military, you know, mop gear, and they, yeah, they've got a bunker, they've got tons of guns and my, you know, and like tend to be like, uh, isolationists and like, you know, maybe, uh, uh, like sovereign citizens and like, you know, want to be disconnected from society and stuff. 
And like, I've got so much guns, like no one's going to take my stuff. And I'm like, well, as a community, we will come and take it if we really want to. Like, you know, in fact, by sort of portraying yourself and like telling everyone that you're a prepper, um, you're really kind of like putting a bullseye on your back, uh, versus like, I, I do like the, the, the stuff that I do find really interesting. And I guess homesteading is actually like, to me, that's like the positive side of like prepping almost like that's like prepper light to me where like, um, very self-reliant, but in like a fun, friendly way, like gardening and like, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a creative or productive yeah. way. And it, it um, seems more inviting, like prepping feels like you're either in or you're not. Whereas like homesteading, you can dip your toe in, right? Like I can go start a, I can go start a garden and like a homesteader is going to be like, congrats. Like, let me give you some tips on how to grow like nice peppers. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, a lot of the preppers and friends that I have, they'll be like, that gun won't make it. Like, you're not going to survive with this. Like you have to have this. And like, it just seems like very intense as a culture. And, but again, like uh, some of this is like, maybe I don't know preppers personally that are like, I mean, I know you, I think you sort of consider yourself a prepper in, in a degree. I don't know if you've identified yourself as a prepper. Maybe I'm outing you as a prepper, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a balance. Yeah. So yeah, probably by any definition I could be considered a prepper, but uh, I use it sparingly. Well, and I think that's like one thing that I found really fascinating is you've kind of like reopened the topic for me and you've called me out a few times being like, but why, you know, like why, why, why do you sort of feel that way? And I, I can't necessarily justify it. I guess it's just like a feeling, which is well, not a good thing to say. And, and that's, I mean, there is again, like this, there's so much reinforcement yeah. uh, negatively towards, towards preparedness. Um, but I do Even, I think people taking care of themselves is a great, I mean, that's a great thing. Like, and, and I guess maybe the reason I'm sort of like, I like the idea of like the communal approach to it is like, that's so, you know, history has sort of shown like in crisis, people tend to come together. Yeah. Um, I like to sort of, again, like I know who my folks are in the, in the event of a disaster. Like we're not preppers, I'd say by any means. I mean, I'm, it's very much like, you know, the cobbler's kids have no shoes type of situation. I do not have nearly the amount of stuff that I should considering the knowledge and experience that I have. Right. Uh, but I've got enough stuff I can take care of myself. And I also know where the stuff that I don't have, I can go to. And we're all like pretty close. And we we talk, I mean, we do talk about like, you know, we, we had a really significant wind event. I mean, like 80, 90 mile an hour wind gusts. Wow. Took out power in our state in some spots for a week or more. Um, we lost power here for like the entire day. This was on Christmas, which was especially fun, uh, Christmas weekend. And, um, you know, it was a normal power outage, no big deal. We've, I've got flashlights and everything everywhere. Like we can take care of ourselves for a long time. Um, got backup alternative heating. All this stuff is, is covered, but, uh, we lost cell phone and data, which I've never had that happen before. Um, and so we were like, we don't even know what's happening. Like, did something else happen outside of here? And so we kind of right. like, up and we're like, all right, like just in case, here's what we're going to do. Um, but it wasn't like uncomfortable. We weren't freaked out about it. It was like very much like, this is the situation we're in it and we're going to deal with it. And hopefully it's just a, a, a you know, fluke. Um, but that was like the first time in a long time that I sort of felt vulnerable in a mm. way that I, I typically don't. Um, and I grew up in a rural state. Like you have to take care of yourself. Like from day one, you're born, like you're stacking wood and, you know, canning stuff and all this other stuff. So, um, I feel pretty capable, but I've also rely on these systems that, uh, 
you know, otherwise don't exist. So we, we, we kind of like had some lessons learned, did a little AAR of like, well, what do we need that we didn't have for this that could have helped? So. Yeah. And one, one thing you mentioned there is, you know, like feeling vulnerable and you have this situation, you don't know what's happening outside and you start to wonder, but ultimately, and this is something I, I try to help people understand is, um, it doesn't matter (laughs) because the impact is what matters. Like here you are, you're cut off, you have no information, no power, no, no connection. And it, and it, it could have been an EMP. It could have been an earthquake somewhere. It could have been, um, an attack on the grid or, you know, the cell towers or something. Yeah. Or it could just be the wind. Yeah. And the, ultimately the impact is, is how it impacts you is what matters. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think anyone who finds themselves in a situation where it feels out of control wants to have some control, right? I mean, even like, uh, you know, the people who crash in an airplane and they're grabbing their luggage, you know, they're doing that because they think they're going to need it or it's comfort or something, you know, like they're like, I have to do something. I can't just do this. Um, you know, the same, uh, sort of reaction that you have. Uh, I like to use the excuse. I think I, or not the excuse, the experience of when my first kid was born, uh, I had not packed a bag and <laughs> we thought we had like two more weeks. We literally had an appointment in the morning and it had like, all of a sudden I wake up, my wife's like, we're going. And I'm like, Oh, and Whoops. so I'm like in it now I'm like, crap, I need to make up for weeks of not preparing for this. And I start filling my bag. I put I, I'm not even kidding. I think it was like six Tom Clancy books. Anyone who knows who Tom Clancy <laughs> is, these books are 900 pages long. It tells every piece of nomenclature about like firearms and, and tanks and everything else. It's not something you're going to read. I don't care how long the labor goes. Uh, and then I just started grabbing, like, I, I think I grabbed like a t-shirt and then like toothpaste, but no toothbrush. Like it was just like, oh my God, like if I just spent a second to think about this, this is not what I would have brought. Um, but that's like sort of the, the same thing. Like you don't know it until you're in it and then you're in it and you're like, crap, I wish I had done something different yeah. had stuff. And then you panic and you just do stuff stupidly. Well, that's, I mean, that's the benefit of, of learning from other people who have been yeah. through a situation. I mean, we've, we've all been through some terrible situations in the last few years, Yeah. Um, but also practicing like running drills. One, one, uh, game I like to have people play and we played at my house is we exclude any kits that we've already established. Like, so if yeah. you know, like emergency kits, we exclude that from the game sure. um, or whatever. But then we say you have five minutes and five minutes, we're leaving the house, go grab everything you think we'll need. And then I compare it to like, uh, you know, some of the checklists from the Red Cross or whatever, just sure, for the yeah, basic yeah. necessities. Yeah. And then just uh, know what I, what I know I need. And sometimes you'll have like half a pack of toilet paper and um, a, one sleeping bag for your entire family, and then no food, uh, or what, one bottle of water, a bunch of stuffed animals, um, some canned yeah. food, no no can opener. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely you know, and it, like that's like a uh, the the get out of dodge stuff is interesting. So like a lot of the hazards here that would warrant us leaving are actually would prevent us from leaving. So we've sort of like gone the other way. Cause if we can't, if we have to leave, it's probably flooding or a yeah, hazard yeah. incident. And we're basically surrounded by trains and anywhere that would flood, that would basically warrant us leaving, uh, has destroyed the road. So we're not going anywhere. 
Um, so we've sort of like had to think about like, well, what does that mean? For, or at least I have had to think about this. I haven't sort of put this burden on my <laughs> children and family yet, but like, you know, what would happen? Like, do we, do we, how do we leave? And I've got little kits and stuff like, you know, I'm not a completely negligent, uh, emergency manager. I've got, you know, my, my, which there are a surprisingly large number of completely negligent emergency managers. Well, and I, at the same time, I sort of get it right. Like, you know, the, the garbage, uh, truck driver probably doesn't want to, you know, go home and deal with trash all like around their house. Like you just want to like plug, yeah. unplug yourself from that. And I think in, there's a degree of like ignorance is bliss, right? Like even though you're, you're preaching it, um, you don't really want to ever think that you'll be in that situation for a lot of people. Like you probably will not find yourself in that situation. Or I think the, the sort of like, uh, inverse of that is like the people who are afraid of everything, you know, and they don't do anything. Like right. I try to find this like happy medium where I'm like, I, I understand my risk. I know what I can do about it. And I'm going to make small investments. I, I kind of like the incremental approach to getting ready uh, where I just buy it. You know, I might be at like a Lowe's or something and I'll see like, oh, I don't have this pry bar. So I'm going to buy a pry bar. You yeah. Know? Something so you need. And yeah, yeah that's, that's, a, that's a really good way to look at it. But, I mean, I'm sure you've seen um, some of the... Uh, popular prepping shows they're produced in a way to make it so that the contestants have to pick a specific yeah. doomsday scenario and yeah. um you know it's 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 for entertainment's sake because that is probably the least effective way of pre preparing <laughs> is picking like one really bad scenario because you're going to miss every other scenario or the more realistic scenarios yeah um but that's you know that's that got the culture or the subculture kind of focus on that. And that's kind of something I've been working to reverse because again, you're not looking at the disaster, you're looking at your needs and you're like, Hey, I have a need for this item. I have a need for these things. I have, I need food. So how much, how much am I going to store to meet my needs? Yeah. How am I going to prepare it? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, uh, that's a really good point. Uh, and what's sort of funny about a lot of that stuff, like, you know, the, there's a lot of, um, you know, geardos, right? Like the, the gear yep. weirdos, uh, who just buy all of this fancy stuff, but like can't jog more than 50 feet or have like some other sort of like, you know, uh, they're not taking them to care of themselves physically. And that's not to like, you know, downplay people who have functional needs or physical needs. Of course, like, you know, you are challenged even more to be prepared. Um, but like people who just actively don't take care of themselves and should like, if you want to have a preparedness mindset, like health is incredibly important. And if you're just like chugging Mountain Dews and like Doritos all day and, right. you've got, you know, uh, physical ailments because of that, like, you know, you're not preparing yourself, you're not doing the physical exercise, whatever it is to sort of like survive. That to me is like anyone who sort of tells me that they are of a preparedness mindset, but are not able to hike 10 miles. Like you're, you're not going to survive a situation where you really have to bug out. Right. Like right. you're going to have to stay there and hope that you can, you can do better or someone's going to have to come get you. Um, yeah. I call this the doomsday fantasy where yes. it basically becomes a daydream of what, you, what I would do. And it's like living <laughs> your, your imagined glory days. Oh yeah. yeah. I, would I could definitely take my 75 pound, um, backpack and and carry it all day every day to get to where i want to go it's like man go go get that 75 pound bag and, and go walk for an hour and see and how you feel general wellness thing right like forget the doomsday scenario you should be doing this because it's important for your health and take care of, like you know again i 
I am not necessarily the the best runner. I think if you saw me running, you'd probably be like, this dude's never run in his life. Like, <laughs> why is his arms and legs moving like that? But like, I run consistently. Like, I've got good cardiac health. You know, I keep uh, checked up on stuff. Um, and, you know, the reason is just because like, you know, uh, you want, like, again, sort of that generalist, right? Like, I, I don't have all of the stuff I need to probably survive for, I mean, I got food and stuff I could last for a couple of weeks, I'm sure. Um, but I also know, like I have capabilities to like solve that problem. Like, you know, like we can, we can get around that. We can combine efforts, we can combine, you know, equipment and stuff and, and get around it. But if you can't, like, if you fall and break your leg or you can't move stuff, you have a heart attack cause you're trying to move something. Then shovel it the yeah. Shovel the snow. I mean, that's like the number one, I mean, uh, you were a medic, right? So, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, every snowstorm you have like people just dying of cardiac arrest. And again, like, I don't want to downplay people. There's plenty of people who have just like genetic and, and other health issues that like they can't help at all. Um, but if you can, that's your job to get really good at that and to hopefully help those people who can't, like you want to be physically capable. So if your neighbor is stuck and they need help to get out of a situation, like you should be able to do that. Like, um, you know, so yeah, I, I just sort of find like, that I really like the, what did you call it? Something fantasy, like survivalist. The fan doomsday fantasy. Doomsday fantasy, yeah. I think that is the part that really sort of turns me off this whole thing is like, A, kind of wishing it would happen um, and like trying to manifest this somehow by like just creating like terrible culture and like... <laughs> Uh, and then the fatalism, like I'm, a, I am an optimist. I think I'm, I'm, I'm pessimistic in a lot of things, but I'm, a, I would say, uh, I am an, uh, a pessimistic optimist. Um, and so like, uh, the folks, when I'm around people who are just like, everything's going to hell, like, you know, the climate's done, like pol politics are, are as extreme as they've ever been, you know, the economies are going to collapse, all this stuff. And it's like, if we continue to sort of talk about this and like, you know, you are going to manifest it and then it's all going to happen. And then I'm going to take all your stuff. Cause you didn't. <laughs> so. yeah, it's like you, uh, yeah, it's like people don't consciously think like, oh, I can't wait this till this happens, but it's like, you, you want to be able to prove yourself. And it's, I mean, it's like in the military too. There's like this, uh, not, not negatively, but there's always this just in like, you want to do it. You want to do yeah, the job. You want to do it. You, and you're like not looking for a fight, but it's, yeah. but it's like, if you, you, you're like, Oh man, did I like, what was that, all that for? And, um, yeah, but not consciously, right? Like you're not, yeah. and once you realize that consciously, you're, you're like, Oh yeah, of course I don't want that to happen. And, and the war sucks. I do not want to do the war. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Yeah. War is, uh, the worst. <laughs> uh, uh, but like, yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like it's one thing to sort of like be of the mindset that you can versus like, I think some of this sort of, and it's not just preppers, of course, like this is across everything. Like there is a abundance of pessimism and like, um, you know, selfishness that exists now. Um, and so that's like, when I try to advocate anytime I'm talking about preparedness with like community members and stuff, it's like, you know, honestly, if something happens, we're all in it together. So <laughs> we're all going to figure it out or we're all individually going to fail. Like that's, what's going to happen. Like, even if you have everything, your, your ability to fully sustain yourself for any amount of time, because like, I mean, you know, like even in the, in those fantasies, there's going to be people who are going to come and get your stuff if you're not on their team. So the bigger team you have, the less likely that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and that's going, scenario, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like, not focusing on the disaster, but focusing on your needs. Yeah. Uh, with the um, kind of just keeping 
like that you're talking about exercising and have good consistent habits and stuff. I've framed preparedness in in that way for a lot of years now. I was um, talking to my wife back in 2013, probably, and and she kind of framed it in a way that um, it, it's like you were. She says it's kind of like if you're reading, like if you're reading scriptures or something like that. Like you're not just like storing that up in your brain for that one time you face temptation, right. and you know it's just like it's supposed to be something that benefits you every day. Yeah. Or or she's like when you go to the gym, you're not going to the gym so one day you can lift something really heavy. It's so that you get stronger all the time. You're more capable. And you're you're healthier generally. So yeah. I've tried to frame preparedness that way, where it's where it's something you do consistently that meets your needs and benefits you now, and makes you more capable in in case of an emergency. Yeah, I think I would even like I sort of have even ventured away from calling it like preparedness. Like it's more like just like. I don't even know. Like, I guess preparedness is the word for it. But like, when I try to talk to people about this sort of in like generic terms, it's like, you know, your friend asks like, oh, what tools, you know, I'm going to start building a, a, my toolkit. What tools should I absolutely have? And you're like, oh, well, you want like a circular saw, you know, you want a carpenter square, you want, a, you know, a good capable drill, uh, you know, just these like basic things. And then you could start to build all sorts of stuff with this, right? Like that's enough to get most things done. Like it's, it's around like this, it's the same sort of mindset where it's like, well, like just know how to grow stuff. Like, do you know how to put seeds in the ground and like not eat things that <laughs> you shouldn't eat? Uh, do you know how to shoot an animal and clean it if you need to, or catch fish? Um, you know, can you chop a tree down? Uh, can you start a fire? You know, that's not, those things are not necessarily preparedness. You can talk about it even like camping, like what kind of right. stuff do you need for camping? Like, cause I think preparedness, a lot of times that kind of turns people off. It gets them freaked out. It's like, you know, like if you think you have cancer, you're like, I'm not going to the doctors. They're going to tell me I have cancer. <laughs> um, you know, so people don't go to the doctors. They have like a tumor forming and they're like, I'm not going to deal with this. Like, I'm just going to pretend it isn't there. And I think preparedness can elicit that response in a lot of people because it acknowledges your own mortality. It acknowledges your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think in a lot of times, especially emergency managers, we take ourselves so friggin' seriously and we communicate things in such a serious manner that people don't receive the message because they're immediately turned off and scared by it. So right. preparedness is not going to win. The most successful preparedness campaign in the entirety of history was when Walking Dead first came out and some genius, uh, it might've, I know Jenny Novak, who's an emergency manager out in California. She did a bunch of stuff uh, when I first started doing emergency management around this, but using the, and I, I don't know if she can take credit for it, but I think she might've been the first emergency manager I heard it from, uh, is doing like the the zombie readiness kit. Yeah. And, and like thinking about <laughs> preparedness in that sense. Cause you could ask someone, what do you have in, in like your go kit or your for preparedness stuff? And people would be like, nothing. I don't know. What do I need to, I don't even know what I need. And you go, what would you do to survive a zombie apocalypse? And they're like, all right, I'd have a, an ax. I'd have a, a saw. I'd have a, this type of weapon. I would have this much food. I'd have this backpack. Uh, I'd probably wear these clothes and these boots. Cause these are really flexible and light. And I know I could get there and you're like, cool. So you literally had all this in your, but it's, you just reframed it. Right. Um, which is a really good skill to have by the way. So yeah. just to communicate it in a way. I think that's one thing I really like about, uh, the Doberman and the readiness lab is like, we do not take ourselves seriously. Right. Like we have, we talk about serious stuff and we can be serious about things, but like 
people don't, that doesn't resonate a lot with folks. Uh, you want to like them to engage and accept this stuff. Like you have to like, kind of be like, yeah, like this is probably never going to happen. You know, yeah. Hopefully it doesn't. So what kind of fun stuff can we do to like make you better at it? That's why right. I like the incremental approach, right? like the Lowe's, you know, Walmart approach. When you're in Walmart, you're like, hey, if there was a zombie apocalypse, like what kind of stuff would I want right now? And as they're walking around, they'll be like, oh, I need this because, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And as, as much as I tell people, like, don't focus on the disaster, don't yeah, focus on your needs, don't uh, think about, like, don't pick a doomsday scenario and prepare for the worst thing. I still love the doomsday fantasy <laughs> thought exercise, right? Like, sure. what would you do if, and it's just, it's just fun because it's a, it's just running a mental exercise. Right. Like, and it's relatable, right? And it, it, yeah. like you said, it is fun. That's the thing. Like, it's fun. Uh, yeah. Most of the stuff that emergency managers do out there is not fun. They make it really, really <laughs> diff difficult and challenging. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many exercises I've been to that are just like, you get there, you know, it's going to be like a day or maybe a week. And you're like, we're just checking the boxes. Mm -hmm. This isn't fun. Uh, and if you start to have fun, they're like, guys, take this seriously. Okay. This is a real thing. Like you need to prepare for this. It's like, I'm not having fun. I'm not going to remember any of this. Yeah. Versus, like I know, like I had amazing fire instructors when I started my fire uh, stuff. I was a firefighter for a long time, volunteer. Uh, and, I had a couple instructors that were just the funniest human beings I've ever met in my life. And I remember every, I mean, I remember just stupid lines that they told me from decades ago. Uh, you know, I started firefighting when I was 17 and I remember stuff from them. There's a, there's people that I have since known like year, you know, within recent memory that I'm like, I couldn't name a single word that they said to me, <laughs> you know, over the last 10 years. Um, and so like trying to like, when you're communicating this stuff, and maybe this is like why I've sort of been turned off. Maybe the prepper message is just not framed in a way that like resonates with me um, and probably turns off a lot of other folks is like trying to find that way to communicate this stuff so that people appreciate it, right? Like you want to appreciate that there's risk, but people are also terrible at recognizing risk and understanding risk. Mm -hmm. so how do you reframe that so that they're still getting the lesson they're still hopefully better off. And that's why I think I really like your approach is sort of like, you know, your, your videos are funny, but they're informative, right? Like the flower one, that's like your classic, <laughs> right? Like that's probably your, your, your big hit. That's your top 10, one of your top 10, I'm sure. For sure. Uh, it's, it's so simple and it is informative. Like, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, like, do I need to have a giant bag of flour? Like I probably should. I like, stuff that comes from flour. So, and I don't know how to make flour. So, uh, you know, just those little things that like can still sort of build that mindset, but are not so extreme and serious and pessimistic and fatalist. And, um, you know, I, it's, I, I'll sort of also key on this. So like when I, when I came out of the, uh, the burnout, I sort of leaned into stoicism a little bit. I was like, I'm going to mm -hmm. get like stoic. I'm just going to get like philosophical. And I realized very quickly, like, if you get really into stoicism, you become a selfish jerk. Like, it is so easy to be like, nothing else matters but me. Like, I just need to be like, focus on my own, you know, well-being and nothing else matters. And uh, so try, so I've sort of like now swung the other direction. I still like, I still like a lot of the stoic, you know, lessons and, and sort of moralities, but like, I, I'm now like leaning fully into like comedy and humor and, and I really going back and I did stand up comedy for a while and I'm, I'm sort of heading in that direction again because like, it's just such a good way to communicate and keep people comfortable and, and engaged and interested in what you're saying. If you have any good, uh, emergency management or emergency preparedness jokes, 
Oh, no, I don't. Uh, I, I will. Uh, so we're working on a, a, a podcast that'll be coming out. That's actually going to be very humor based. I'm very excited about. So that's nice. a teaser. This is breaking news. Any other podcast. So, um, but like, uh, even John, you know, from John Scardina, who's our, uh, the CEO of Doberman, he had this like podcast called movie R A A R like after mm-hmm. and it was like joking around about disaster movies and stuff. And like all of the stuff that we do that, like we do takes very seriously and like leadership stuff. And like, we have these really important people on it. And of course, you know, people want to listen, they want to learn. Um, but like some of the dumbest stuff from that has been like way more successful. Like, right. you know, episodes just like, just get so much uh, attention and interest. Um, so I'm like really trying to like toe that line of like, how do I take that, that I know works and then like translate it into something that I still think people need to know and understand and recognize. Yeah. So real quick, what yeah. is an experience for you in which preparedness worked? Um, oh man, I've actually had a lot of, uh, recent stuff. So again, much like the fitness stuff, I think another area that is completely, completely, uh, neglected is, uh, medical skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so important. Um, and I'm a TCCC tactical casualty combat care instructor in the air guard. Um, and before that I was a self-aid buddy care. Um, and last year during the super bowl, we had a uh, friend over and, uh, she was, uh, helping clean up and she cut herself just absolutely terribly. Her hand was just ripped wide open. She starts to get really uncomfortable, starts to feel lightheaded. She's like, Oh my gosh. She like yells Zach. And I'm like, what is happening? Like that was like just the way her, the tone of her voice. I was like, Oh, that's different. Yeah. And so I go over there and I'm like, Oh, all right. We're dealing with this. And because I have a medical background as an EMT, I've got the training. It was like, no big deal. We're going to just get you patched up. We'll get to the hospital. You're definitely going to need stitches. And then like a few months later, one of the neighbor kids running around, jumps off the porch, just gnashes his mouth, splits his lip down the middle. looks like he's got a second mouth, like oh. you know, a vertical mouth now. Um, and everyone's like, Oh my God. And it's like, all right, we'll get you cleaned up, get you packaged and you'll go deal with this. Um, I used to be a, a like the black cloud of all of the agencies I belong to, too. everything bad happened under my watch. Um, I used to come across car accidents all the time, driving around. Like I just, I sort of just fall into disasters really often. Yeah. And, uh, and it all kind of works. Right. But I think the biggest thing is just like the mindset. I think that's the most important part is just like having that mindset of like, not a big deal. Like even in the worst, absolute worst imaginable disaster, you kind of have to just like know what you can do. And, uh, you know, it's like, how do you eat an elephant? You know, one bite at a time. So like, start to chip away at it. Don't look at these problems as like insurmountable because that I think is the, uh, the, the survivor mindset is like, I can get through this even if it seems impossible, um, versus like, Nope, there's nothing I can do. Um, so like, I think prepare, like there's no specific situation really where I've sort of felt like this help, but like I've, had so many situations where I'm like, I've got the tool and I've got the sort of knowledge and how to use that tool. And, it's and not, it has prevented an emergency. It's the gone. training or experience yeah. to be able to uh, approach it calmly. That's super important. Yeah. yeah. And I know that's not something like that necessarily comes naturally. It's just, a lot of it's just exposure to a lot of stuff and you just become like a calloused, uh, you know, crusty <laughs> old man. And no, I'm, I'm all about doing uh, like drills and exercises, even with your own family, just practicing yeah just some of the little skills once a month, just have a little family night where you, Hey, let's go through our fire 
escape plan or, and what would yeah. we do in a tornado? And, and what's really interesting is like the people that I've found that are really, really good at like that type of stuff are usually the most unassuming folks. It's like, you know, you, you were in the military, you know, you walk into a restaurant and you see the dude in the nine line shirt with the tattoos and like, you know, all of this stuff. And they're like, I'm military. Like, this is all that exists on me. And then, you know, you see you're walking by the, the guy who's like just kind of sitting there quietly. And the guy with all this, you know, he's like, you know, did a short tour, did nothing, you know, never, never sort of, uh, got out of just that like crappy attitude of the, you know, the bro you just, vet. yeah, the bro vet type thing, not to downplay vets, man. Uh, everyone who does the service, uh, my hat's off to you. Um, not, not everyone. I, my hat's right. not, not <laughs> off to all of you, but there are some scumbags. Out there. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, and a lot of them write books about it. And, uh, so, uh, but like the, the people that I met that are just like quiet, and like, you know, they're, they're, they're jovial and they're like calm and something terrible happens. And like the, the one person like freaks out and flexes and they're like, Oh, I'm going to deal with this. And then the other person just kind of casually walks over and fixes it. And you're like, Oh, that's the person I want to be. That's the person I want to have next to me. Um, you know, just these like really quiet, confident, like people. And that mindset comes from like, just knowing, right. The people who have to fake it with all the gear and all the stuff, um, Peacocking. They're the ones, yeah, the peacocking guy. Like those are the people you don't want anywhere near you in emergency because they're going to get themselves into trouble. They're going to get you into trouble. They're usually looking for trouble. This is part of that like whole manifesting problems. Um, it's the, you know, it's the same people. I, I have a buddy who uh, is a EOD uh, tech, and uh, you know, he was talking about how there's this. A lot of people just say like, go do, just do something, right? Like just run, just go do it. Be like aggressive. And he's like, you know what? It's actually okay to pause, take a breath, think about it, and actually figure out what you can do. Because that's how you yeah. get blown up as you run into it. And I think not enough people sort of have that mindset. But like, yeah, like you said, like I, I have enough skill set now that I don't panic, which gives me that time, you know, through training and experience and knowledge where I can pause, even in crisis. And people have told me like, you look like a psychopath, something really bad's happening. <laughs> and I'm sitting there kind of like, all right, how do we fix this? Yeah. And in that moment, I'm like, all right, I know how to do this. I know I've got this tool. So we're going to do that versus the person who's like running in and getting electrified or running into the gas or getting, you know, right. whatever. So, okay. Final word. Just rude. That was, I went around in circles there. I no, tended to, so. Perfect. Zach Borst are preppers the worst. I had no. To, I had to force that to no. rhyme. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I have to be. I have to change how I, I'm going to reframe my, my way towards preppers. They're not the worst. Uh, I want to know preppers. I want preppers around me because they can be very helpful, but I want the preppers who are friendly. I'm not saying that all preppers are not friendly, but I want the friendly ones who are going to help me get better. They're going to teach me. You want to be a good prepper, teach everyone around you a little bit of knowledge, you know, teach them how to use a tourniquet. Don't do that selfishly. That's that you're a scumbag. If you're doing everything selfishly, a, we're all going to come take your stuff, <laughs> and oh, and it's just, uh, it's not a uh, it's not a good mindset. Like I I'm I'm a uh, huge believer in the um, you know rising tide lifts all ships, right? Yeah. I want I want people to help each other out. So if you're preppers out there, like uh, you know, help those folks around you who aren't prepared. Don't look down at them. Don't disrespect them. Uh, everyone comes at this from their own way. They uh, you know we all we all it takes all kinds, right? So mm -hmm. uh, you know if you're a prepper out there. Uh, prove me wrong. Uh, I don't think preppers are the worst. I actually, I, I don't, I, I, you're a victim that we don't have to 
probably go rescue at some point or deal with. So that in, in and of Hopefully. itself is a value. But yeah, and that's that's what I've been trying to do is like take what we learn in emergency management and help people make their preparedness more effective and less yeah. sensational and whatever else. But also yeah. help emergency managers do some of the same. I, I think that's a I think that's one of the things that doesn't translate necessarily from the prepper to emergency management world is sometimes preppers are looked at as like this thing we have to deal with more than it is like they're they're gonna self-sustain. It's like, oh boy, like this person's refusing to evacuate. Now we're going to have to do it. And that person might be perfectly capable of staying, but then because we've had the experience where a lot of people think they know and they can survive everything. And now right. we have to send a team to go pull them out because they're so cocky and they thought that they had it all figured out and now they can't. Yeah, whoops. I think that's where maybe some of that negative, look at this, I'm having a breakthrough right here on there. Uh, maybe that's where some of it is. Cause I've, I've had to go do that. Um, uh, but I think at the same time, like, being prepared is 100% a really important skill set and but it's a, it's a holistic thing it's not just gear it's right. not just food it's not just and gun. you need to validate it too yes validate all your preps yeah yeah cuz when it, i'll tell you what uh, that huge food store that you've had for uh you know years uh when the hurricane hits and you open it up and it's full of ants or mold or whatever else uh your prepping is is done. You don't have. You're not a prepper anymore. Now you're someone in need of it. And guess what? All those people that like you were like, I look down on. They're gonna. They're, you're gonna want their help. You want to be a <laughs> player. So I'm just a fan of team sports. I want everyone to sort of help each other out. And uh, you know, it's just like a, again the optimist. Like I want to be the optimist. Yeah. All right. Where can we find you, Zach? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, all of my EM weekly stuff, listen to EM weekly, like that, subscribe it. I'm going to air this as well on my podcast, uh, cause we're team players here Absolutely. Uh, and social media, all the EM weekly stuff. I keep my like personal stuff separate just because, um, I like to trash talk. Uh, <laughs> so fair enough. Uh, but my LinkedIn is very professional and, uh, but yeah, the EM weekly stuff is the best way. Listen to the podcast and get a sense of who I am, but. And I'm always like anyone out there that thinks I'm wrong. Like I'm open to to knowledge. So if you think you know better than me, please share that information. I want to I want to be better at this. I want to be a better prepared person as well. You know, I'm always learning. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you. Uh, thanks for coming on. And everybody, remember that preparedness works. All right. Thank you everybody for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Nat has the Preparedness Works podcast. That's part of the Readiness Lab. It's a very uh, good podcast. He has a very soothing voice. Uh, so it's just good to listen to Nat talk about cool stuff. Uh, so make sure you check that out. Again, like, subscri subscribe, uh, give us a thumbs up, rate us five stars, go on to Apple so that the algorithms are fed and happy and more people can hear us and we can talk to more people. And thank you for listening. We appreciate you all and we'll talk to you later.